Okay, uh, brothers and sisters, we are happy to have you join us once again to study the words of our Father Yahuwah. As you all know, in the BHP, the Bible History Project, we're going through the entire Bible book by book. So last week, we concluded our studies on the book of Joshua. Now we're going to begin a new book, which is the book of Judges. And so before we go to chapter one of the book of Judges, which is what we normally do, we're going to give an introduction, an overview of what the book of Judges is all about. So the time period of the book of Judges, as you all know, begins from Joshua. So it's a transition period from after the death of Joshua to the beginning of the kingdom, because the last of the judges, even though his name was not in the book of Judges, was Samuel. And Samuel was the one who anointed the first king of Israel. He was known to be the last and the greatest judge, but he was not included, of course, in the book of Judges. And many scholars believe it was Samuel who wrote the book of Judges. And so what is the book of Judges all about? Well, it recounts for us what happened in this transition period from the death of Joshua to the beginning of the kingdom. And it's not good. Because we ended Joshua on a good note, right? Because the people of Israel entered the promised land, which was promised by the Father. Yahuwah helped them uh, overcome the enemies. However, after this period of peace and prosperity, it was all downhill from there. And so what was the root cause of the decline and deterioration of the spiritual life of the people of Israel? The book of Judges 2, 8 to 10, now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Yahuwah, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnah Heres, in the mountain of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gaash. When all that generation has been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them, who did not know Yahuwah, nor the work which he had done for Israel. We know the first generation of Israelites during Moses, well, they all perished in the wilderness. They did not get to enter the promised land except for two. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb, the second generation of Israelites. They were the ones who entered the promised land and conquered the enemies therein. The next generation, unfortunately, would not know Yahuwah would not know the works that he has done for Israel. And because of this, there would be a downward spiral in the, the wickedness and the sins that overwhelmed the people of Israel. This is why we need to see the importance of passing along our faith to the next generation. This is why our children and our children's children we need to remind them about Yahuwah and about Yahusha and about the Word of God, especially nowadays when we live in an age which is very hostile towards God, hostile towards the Bible. We have our work cut out for us, and so we need to work even harder to make sure our children receive the faith that we practice. We cannot compromise on that. People of Israel compromise which is why now they're suffering the consequence. And so when we read the book of Ju uh, Judges, what we eventually find are basically the consequence of compromise. And what is that compromise all about? Well, we know when Joshua is doing the time of Joshua, 
when he led the people of Israel to conquer the enemies, it was not fully done. There were still pockets of places where enemies still remained. There were remnants of these conquered peoples. And so they were supposed to completely remove them. The people owned the land, but they did not possess all of it. The part which they did not possess eventually grew in number and eventually would oppress them. This is what we find in the book of Judges. And so instead of enjoying what they were supposed to possess in full because of compromise, those that they did not conquer because of it, they would eventually be conquered by them. So the book of Judges portrays Israel's progressive spiral, down, uh, downward spiral into idolatry and wickedness. And they increasingly became like the Canaanites they had been called to exterminate from the land. So that's one theme that we find in the book of Judges, the progressive wickedness and idolatry. And this is depicted in a cycle of decline and renewal. So when you read the book of Judges, and when we study the book of Judges, from chapter 1 all the way to the end, notice the pattern of the cycle of decline and then renewal, because it's going to be repeated again and again. I want you to see that. This is why in this introduction to the book of Judges, I want to establish this pattern right away so that you can see it when we go through the book of Judges. And so what is this pattern, this cycle of decline and renewal all about? In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, uh, that whole generation also died, and the next generation forgot Yahuwah and what he had done for Israel. So that cycle of decline began with forgetting Yahuwah and what he did for Israel. So that's the first phase of the decline. What would eventually happen next? When you forget Yahuwah, well, the people ended up sinning against Yahuwah and began to serve the Baals. In other words, instead of becoming a messenger of God for the people of Canaan, they ended up becoming like Canaan. They adopted the culture of Canaan instead of shining brightly before all men. And so instead of removing the, the idols, they began to serve the idols. They began to serve the Baals. And so it, it started with forgetting Yahuwah. And so this led them to commit sin and wickedness. And because of sin and wickedness, what happened to Israel? In Judges 2.14, and so Yahuwah became furious with Israel and let raiders attack and rob them. He let enemies all around overpower them, and the Israelites could no longer protect themselves. And so as part of discipline and punishment for the people of Israel, because he would not tolerate sin, and so he had to punish and discipline Israel. The way he did this was he let the enemies overpower the people of Israel. And so these enemies, they begin to oppress them. These enemies included the Philistines, the Midianites, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the others. They were supposed to get rid of them, but because of the compromise, they were the ones from time to time during that phase of the cycle when they reject God and live a life of sin and idolatry, they would be defeated, overcome, and oppressed by these enemies. So that's the next phase of the cycle. And so what would Yahuwah do? I mean, what would the people do? 
the children of Israel do when then when all of a sudden everything begins to collapse life the life of peace and prosperity that they they used to know was no longer there what do they do what happens to us when we fall when we experience miserable times we get our on our knees and pray right and that's exactly what they did when the children of Israel cried out to Yahuwah that's the next phase you begin with forgiving God living a life of sin being punished because of that sin and then you begin to realize all oh, this is happening because I haven't been loyal to God so what do they do they repent and they cry out to Yahuwah because Yahuwah is compassionate merciful loving and kind what does he do well Yahuwah raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And so in response to repentance, when the children of Israel would cry unto Yahuwah because they're being heavily oppressed by the enemies that they were supposed to conquer, Bible says Yahuwah would show mercy, answer their prayers by raising a deliverer You who usually were military leaders who would be used as an instrument of Yahuwah to deliver Israel from the hands of these enemies. They would be called judges. The deliverers are judges. And so when the people of Israel are oppressed by the enemy and they cry to him, Yahuwah responds by sending a judge or a deliverer who will free them from their captivity. And so what would these deliverers, these judges do? Judges 3, 10 to 11, the spirit of Yahuwah came upon him and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against uh, King Kushan, Rishataim of Aram, and Yahuwah gave Othniel victory over him. So there was peace in the land for 40 years. Then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. And so in response to in response to prayer, Yahuwah sends a deliverer. In this case, it was Othniel. He empowers Othniel with his spirit. Because of his spirit, he goes to war and fight against the oppressor nations. And he defeats them, setting free the people of Israel, who would again experience a life of peace and prosperity. So that's the cycle. The cycle of decline and renewal. And so it begins when the people forget who? Yahuwah. Because they forget Yahuwah, well, they live a sinful life. Um, moral depravity sets in, idolatry. And so that's the next phase. Because of this, Yahuwah punishes them. So Israel suffers defeat and punishment and are oppressed. And then they begin to repent and begin to cry out to Yahuwah. Yahuwah responds by raising a deliverer or judge this deliverer or judge will be used by yahuwah to liberate the people of israel to give them deliverance israel's delivered and lives in peace and prosperity and after some time in peace and prosperity what do they do well they end up forgetting yahuwah god all over again and the cycle repeats itself again and again and again and i want you to see that in the book of judges and if we're going to be honest with ourselves we see that in ourselves <laughs> do we not 
right? This is true, not just for the time of ju the judges. This is true today too. And it's getting worse. Not only is it true for the world today, it's also true for ourselves. Isn't it true? I mean, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, are there times in our life when we forget about God? When we forget about what he did? And when we do, what do we end up doing when we forget about him? We don't think of him. We don't think of his laws. When we don't think of his laws, what happens to us? We begin to fall into sin. And so we begin to suffer the punishment and the consequences of sin. So we repent. We call upon Yahuwah. He gives us strength to solve our problems. He delivers us. We find peace and prosperity again. So I want to go through this cycle. And as we go through this cycle once again, I want you to see how it can be applied in our life. Is that okay? Because this is a very powerful cycle that is in effect, not only among the people of God as a whole, but also individually. Okay? This is why it's very, uh, very, very important that we learn how to apply this in our life. If I were to ask you, when we look at this cycle right now, where would you be? Are you in the repentant part? Or are you in the forgetting Yahuwah part? Are you in the living a life of peace and prosperity? Because if we were in that part of the, the phase, we want to stay there as long as we can, right? We don't want to go to where we end up forgetting Yahuwah Abba. And so where are we in this cycle of decline and renewal when we apply it to our life today? Where are we? I'll give you some time to think about that. Are you in phase number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six? Wherever we are in that cycle, we know what the next step is going to be, right? Or And also we know what's going to happen next. And so let us be mindful of this cycle. If we can break it, all the better. So let's go with, let's go with the... This part of the cycle where Israel lives in sin and moral depravity. You know, there was a writer, a famous Christian writer who read the book of Judges. And from the book of Judges, when you read the events, he came up with headlines that kind of depicted uh, the events that we're going to read about in the book of Judges. Because I'm going to tell you up front right now. When we read the book of Judges and study together, it's rated R. <laughs> I want to kind of let you know in advance. We have to make sure when we're watching this, we're going to be watching it with our kids, informing them, letting them know that this is reality. Because Yahuwah is going to show us human depravity. He's going to show us the weakness of the human uh, spirit. The human condition is going to be shown in all of its ugliness. Okay, that's what the book of Judges is all about. And so this famous author looked at the book of Judges and just some of the top stories, and he came up with these following headlines. Family feud leaves 69 brothers dead. Powerful government leader caught in love nest. <laughs> Gang rape leads to victims' death and dismemberment. Girls, at, and, and that part, gang rape leads to victims' death and dismemberment. That doesn't even do it justice. I mean, when you read the actual story behind that, you're going to go, oh, why is this even in the Bible? But there's a reason for that. Girls at a party kidnapped and forced to marry strangers. Woman judge says travelers no longer safe on highways. That's the type of content 
we're going to be uncovering when we study the book of Judges, the ugly of mankind, human depravity. The book of Judges depict many horrific narratives that include death, slaughter, human sacrifice, betrayal, illicit sex, and scandal. And so what we find throughout the book of Judges is a progressive wickedness and idolatry. The sin, wickedness, and moral depravity of Israel became progressively worse and worse. When we think about that, it pretty much mirrors what we have today. Because today, when people reject God, all of a sudden, they say, I am woke. Have you heard of that term before? When people say, I am woke. Usually people who say they are woke is because they have rejected this idea of God. They no longer believe in God. And so now they have this freedom. They can think whatever they want. They can do whatever they want because they no longer have to follow within the boundaries of God's will. And they say, I am woke. They're enlightened because they have shed, shed themselves free from God. Apostle Paul says this, however, in 128.32, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, eaters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. Think about that. New ways of sinning. And they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse, they encourage others to do them too. I'm woke. You should be woke too. For them, what does it mean to be woke? They think it's foolish to acknowledge God. And so in their woke state, they declared there is no God. In fact, they even become haters of God. And so what does God do? He allows them to think whatever they want to think and to do whatever they want to do. When human beings are left to their own whims, when they are left and given the freedom to do whatever they want to do. What you have is not a better society, but one wreaked in a moral depravity. And this is what we see in the world today. When you read this part of scripture, it describes society today, does it not? That's why the times of the judges and the times today are very the same, right? Because of the moral depravity. And so because of this, Yahuwah would punish the people, and Yahuwah punished the people of Israel. Israel suffers defeat and punishment and are oppressed. And so we need to understand that sin has a consequence. Always keep that in mind. You might be saying to yourself, oh, you know what? God's going to forgive me anyways. Yeah, God will forgive us. But sin has a consequence. And so what is the consequence of sin? In James 1, 14 and 15, temptation comes... From our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Bible tells us about the genesis of sin in our life. It begins with our desires. Because we live in the flesh, we have some fleshly desires that 
is contrary to the will of Yahuwah. I mean, there are good desires, right? Some desires that God built in so that we can survive and thrive on this planet. But there are desires which are not good. How do we know which is good, which is not good? The law of God. This is why the law tells us the difference between what is good and what is not good. And so when we have a desire, we need to ask ourselves, is that desire good? Because if it's not, then we should not practice it. But if it is, it's okay, we can do it. If we choose to take to, uh, do, to perform a, a desire that's against the will of God, what is that action called? Sin and sinful action. When it is allowed to grow, when it's not properly repented, it will give birth to death. Not only will it give birth to death, it will also give birth to calamity. Take a look at Romans 2, 8 to 9. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil for the Jew first and also for the Gentiles. So when we commit sin, there are consequences to sin. And one of these consequences of living a life of wickedness and refusing to obey the truth is a life of trouble and calamity. In fact, the whole world is falling apart. Human beings, because of their sin, they have defiled the whole earth. Isaiah 24, 4-6 says this, the earth mourns and dries up and the land wastes away and withers. Even the greatest people on earth waste away. The earth suffers for the sins of its people. For they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broken his everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must pay the price for their sin. They are destroyed by fire, and only a few are left alive. And so we should not be surprised at the anomalies in the weather that is happening. The rise of natural disasters and earthquakes because this is the result of the earth being defiled by the sins of people. And so because of sin, there is a curse. This curse will consume the whole earth. And so sin has consequences. Sin destroys. It destroys our life. It destroys our relationship with our loved ones. It destroys our relationship with Yahuwah and Yahusha. It destroys the entire world. And so if we are being punished by Yahuwah because of our sin, because of our wrongdoing, and we are living in sin. What should be our response? If, for example, we, we are in that phase where we are sinning and Yahuwah is punishing us and causing suffering because of sin, what should we feel? The book of Hebrews 12, 5 to 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. Remember, because of our King Yahusha, we now belong to the household of God. He is now our father. And so because he is our father, we are his children. The Bible says, he said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Yes, Yahuwah punished. Israel, his firstborn, because they lived a life of sin and human depravity. But when he punishes his people, just like when he punishes us, he has a purpose. 
What is that? To correct us. And so what should be our response? Don't make light of it. Instead, learn from it and realize he's doing this because he wants all of us to complete our race. So what should be our proper response when Yahuwah corrects and disciplines us? In the next phase of the cycle, Israel repents and cries out to Yahuwah. Are we being punished by God? Are we suffering some things in our life? And when we pray to the Father, and when we examine ourselves, we realize after connecting the dots, oh, this is the reason why. Yahuwah is punishing me. Yahuwah is disciplining me. If that's the case, what must be our only response? In Joel chapter 2, 12 to 14, that is why Yahuwah says, turn to me now. Well, there is time. Give me your heart. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to Yahuwah your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you'll be able to offer grain and wine to Yahuwah God as before. And so what should be our response when we feel Yahuwah is far away from us, when our prayers are not being answered, when we're suffering unemployment and sickness, when we're going through difficult times in our life, we need to repent. We need to show Yahuwah Abba that we are serious about our repentance. How do we show the seriousness of our repentance? Bible says don't do it externally. Don't simply mouth words and say, Father, I'm sorry. Bible says, give me your heart. The only way for us to do repentance sincerely is from our heart. The Bible says, don't tear your clothes. Tear your hearts instead. Allow your heart to feel the sorrow. Allow your heart to weep and to mourn because of sin. Why? We still have time. Bible says, turn to me. Yahuwah wants us to turn to him. Because he is compassionate and mercy. He is slow to get angry. And he is willing and wants to deliver us. As a matter of fact, in the people of Israel, despite the horrific nature of their sins, despite their moral depravity, Yahuwah finds a way to forgive them anyways. And when Yahuwah forgives them, he raises a deliverer and a judge. Who were these judges? That Yahuwah used as instruments depicted in the book of Judges, Hebrews 11, 32, 34. How much more do I need to say? It would take long, uh, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. The exploits of the judges, like Samson, what they were able to do because of the spirit of Yahuwah upon them, can be only described as miraculous. They did the impossible because they, as human beings, when they surrendered to Yahuwah God, despite their sins, despite the flaws, 
Yahuwah would use them to deliver his people from their enemies. But I want you to understand something about the book of Judges. Even the judges themselves, the heroes of our faith, even Apostle Paul, when he wrote this book and he wrote about the judges, he even included Samson, right? He mentioned all these different judges and also mentions their weakness was turned into strength. You see, most of the judges were chosen not because of their virtue. It's not because, wow, this person here is righteous and holy. He's going to be the judge I'm going to choose. That's not the way it works. In fact, most of the judges, when we study the book of Judges, we're going to be surprised. Most of these judges were flawed human beings. I mean, when we think of judges, I was asking my wife, when you think of a judge, who do you think of? Samson! <laughs> right? I mean, think about the life of Samson. His life was messed up. His life was far from being holy and righteous. And you're going to see that when we study the book of uh, Judges. And so most of the judges were chosen not because of their great virtues, but by grace. When Yahuwah's commitment to his covenant and when Yahuwah's character depicted by his name, which expresses loving kindness and mercy and compassion, because of that, he covered for their weaknesses. And so Yahuwah chose them anyways, covering for their weaknesses, we call this grace. And so when we look at the book of Judges and we see all this wickedness and ask ourselves, well, why does Yahuwah help them out? It's not because they it's not because they deserve it, right? It's because of grace. When Yahuwah chooses out of love to help them, even if they don't deserve it. And so that's something that we can see in the book of Judges. Well, Judges of Israel, in the book of Judges, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, oftentimes Deborah is together with Barak. You have Gideon. Gideon has a son named Abimelech. Some include Abimelech as a judge, but he would be an anti-judge because his purpose for his military exploit was not to please Yahuwah, but because of his own personal agenda. There's Tola, Deir, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, and Samson. Of course, not included here is the greatest of all the judges mentioned in the book of Samuel, which would be Samuel. And so these were the judges. And when Yahuwah chose people that he would raise to be leaders for the people of Israel, he became more and more flawed. And so when we study the book of Judges, the first judges, Othniel and Ehud, they were pretty good. But when you get further and further towards the end of the book of Judges, the more flawed these judges are. And wait till you get to the end. <laughs> wait till you get to the end. You're going to be shocked. Right? So the point is, Yahuwah chooses to use as instruments these people who, by our own account, by our own assessment, we don't deserve to be leaders. But Yahuwah chose them and covered for their weaknesses. And so Yahuwah uses a deliverer. And so Israel is delivered. And the people of Israel live a life of peace and prosperity. And we too, beloved brethren, if we're going to be sincere in our repentance and do good and keep doing good, the Bible says there will be glory and honor and peace. I mean, think about the things that we really want in life. 
I mean, if you have a lot of money, a lot of cars, a lot of houses, but you don't have honor and peace, what would that do to you? Bible even throws in glory, right? The Bible says he will give you glory and honor and peace if you do good and keep doing good. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. If you belong to Yahushua and you keep doing good, you'll get, you will receive glory and honor and peace from God if you do what is right. And so what we need to do is to respond when we, when we are being punished by Yahuwah with humility. And humility leads to fasting and weeping and mourning, carrying our hearts. Instead, Yahuwah responds to a heart that's weeping and mourning when we pray sincerely. When we repent sincerely, Yahuwah responds because he is compassionate, merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. And so, what would happen to those who are being punished? He will relent, not punish. He will give you reprieve and sending you a blessing instead of his curse, which is what we mentioned in the book of Romans 2, 10 to 11. So that's the cycle of decline and renewal. And so if we are not at that phase where it says Israel is delivered and lives in peace and prosperity, beloved brethren, let us repent. So that Yahuwah can give us a life of peace and prosperity, even during our time. We know there's many things happening in the world today, but Yahuwah can bless us regardless of what's happening around the world. Yahuwah is in control of all things, and he loves his people. And so what do we need to do? We need to enter into a relationship with Yahuwah where we are committed to doing what he wants. And so let us stay in that phase of peace and Prosperity. How many here want to stay in that phase of peace and prosperity? Well, if there's one thing we can learn from history is people who are in peace and prosperity, they don't stay in peace and prosperity, which is why, in a sense, peace and prosperity sometimes can be your own worst enemy, right? Just ask the people of Israel during the days of the judges. In fact, biblical history illustrates this, which is why we need to know, because if I were you, I want to break that cycle. I want to break that cycle. I don't want to go and forget Yahuwah. And so we need to ask ourselves, why is it? Why do people who are enjoying the peace and prosperity, who are enjoying the blessings of Yahuwah, why do they end up forgetting Yahuwah? Do you know why? Let's read the book of Deuteronomy 8, 12 to 14. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. You notice the Bible says five prosperity here. Yahuwah, even before the people of Israel enters the promised land, he told them this is what's going to happen here. You're going to enjoy the land I'm going to give you. After all, it's the promised land. It's going to bear fruit. It's going to make you wealthy. It's going to make you prosper. And you're going to have fine homes. You're going to have flocks and herds, silver and gold, everything else. However, you got to be careful. Because Yahuwah, after all, knows the human condition. Yahuwah knows the mind and the human heart. And so he says, be careful. And so, brethren, if we live a life of prosperity and peace, I mean, you don't have to be incredibly wealthy to say you live in a lot, uh, you're living a life of peace and prosperity. I mean, you live a comfortable life, right? You're paying the mortgage, you're paying the bills, 
you have a nice source of income, there's stability in your home, you're happy, you're at peace, you want to stay there. But what causes people to forget that? Because that's what we want to know. Take a look at verse 14. Do not, what does it say? Become proud. You know, when we accomplish things, when we succeed in our endeavors in school, in business, in employment, wherever it may be, there's a tendency to be self-reliant. And when we become self-reliant, we tend to become proud. When we are proud, the next phase is we forget who? God. It's called complacency. You become comfortable with your present prosperity and peace. And because of that, you kind of get lazy. You forget God in your pride. Do not become proud at that time and forget Yahuwah your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Brethren, let's not forget because it's easy to forget. In times of peace and prosperity, we need to remember what got you there. Who led you to be in that position? Was it not Yahuwah God? Because the moment our hearts stop becoming grateful and thankful, we become proud. This is why we have to be careful with our heart. Is our heart thankful? Do we always thank God for what we have? Are we grateful for what we have, even if there are imperfections here and there? Are we grateful to him? Because the moment we stop being thankful and grateful, we begin to think all of this is because of our work. That makes you proud and that makes you forget God. So what happens when one gets proud and forgets Yahuwah? Remember, that's the root. When you become proud and you forget Yahuwah, the next part, the consequence of that is the number one reason for the deterioration of the life, the spiritual life of the people of Israel. You know what that is? There's one statement that is repeated in the book of Judges again and again and again. And this would perhaps encapsulate the thinking of human beings in the days of the judges. And even today, especially today, it's written in Judges 17, 6, 18, 1, 19, 1, 21, 25. It's repeated again. It's the main thinking of the people during the days of the judges. You know what that statement is? I want you to read this, and I want you to assess whether or not it's actually a reflection of the times of today. Here it is. There's one statement that's repeated in Judges again and again. What is that? Can you read it for me? In those days, these are the Judges. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own and so during the days of the judges, when people forget God, because he was supposed to be their king, right? Yahuwah was supposed to be their king. Israel was a theocracy. Before the kingdom came, it was a theocracy. Yahuwah ruled the people. They were supposed to go directly to Yahuwah. They forgot him. And so when you forget God because of your pride, what do you do? Bible says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. If you forget God, you forget his ways. You forget his laws. If you forget God, you make up 
you make up your own things which you consider to be right. I mean, look at the people today. Those who are quote-unquote woke, what are they doing? They're making up their own laws because they don't believe in a standard of truth. They don't believe in the absolute truth of the Bible. They don't believe in the standard of God. And so many people today subscribe to what is called moral relativism, where people invent their own truth. Isn't that what is alive today? They invent their own truth. They invent their own way of choosing how to live their life. And it's taboo to kind of you know, to encroach in their freedom. And so they cry freedom, it means good to be free. But we have to understand our freedom ought to be curtailed by the boundaries of the beloved Yahuwah. But these people, because of their freedom, they want to be woke, they want to be set free from the boundaries of God. They want to do what is right in their own eyes. And when people begin to do things according to their own belief, their own eyes, that's a recipe for disaster. And so it's happening in the world today. And that's the driving force behind the moral depravity of the people of Israel. And so the cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. But you know what? I haven't even told you the worst part. You see, not only were the people of Israel caught in this cycle of decline and renewal, right? And many of us can relate to that because a lot of times when we commit sin, we just say to ourselves, I'm just going to repent. We commit sin, we go through the consequences of sin, we endure suffering for a while, Yahuwah forgives us, and after a while we go back sinning, and then we repent, we renew our life, things are okay again. And so the cycle repeats again and again and again. But if you read the book of Judges from beginning to end, you're going to see a pattern. You know what that pattern is? Each time the cycle repeats, something happens to sin. Each time the cycle repeats, sin and wickedness becomes progressively worse. That's why I told you, wait till you get to the back of judges. <laughs> Not only that, with each cycle, as it continues, not only does sin and wickedness become progressively worse, the judges become progressively flawed. And so when we look at this cycle, it's not really a cycle, is it? Yes, it repeats the phases, but each time it repeats, it gets worse. What do we call that? It's not a cycle. It's a downward spiral of decline and renewal. This is why we have to be watchful. And today, when we look, when we look at what's happening nowadays, what do we find? We find exactly this. I mean, nowadays, there are more and more people are wicked. They're inventing ways of sinning. They're haters of God. They do things what is wrong. They do things which will require the punishment from God. Not only do they do it, they applaud and encourage others to do the same. Not only that, when it comes to those who you expect 
to preach the word of God, there are more and more preachers who are, quote unquote, being woke. And so they're marrying um, partners of the same sex now, right? They are okaying transgender operations. They're woke. And so during the days of the judges and during the days today, people are finding ways and ways to get their sins become worse and worse. And they encourage others to do the same thing. This is why the earth, the curse of the earth, yeah, the curse consumes the earth. People are paying the price for their sin. And so each time we repeat that cycle of decline and repentance and renewal, something happens to our heart. Do you know what that is? In the book of Hebrews 3, 12 to 15. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Beloved brethren, an evil heart becomes a hardened heart when you go through the cycles again and again and again. When we sin and then repent and then sin again and then repent, sin again and then repent, and keep doing that again and again, it does something to your heart because sin is deceitful and sin hardens the heart. Time will come when we will no longer repent. And so while it is still today, beloved brethren, we have to really do something about breaking that cycle, right? We have to break that cycle, that downward spiral of decline and renewal. But when we read the book of Judges, when we read the Holy Scriptures, mankind cannot do it. You and I, Cannot do it. You know why? Because we're human beings. We're flawed. We cannot rely on self-control. Self-control is not enough. We're made of flesh. Yahuwah shows in the book of Judges the very depths of ugliness that human sin can bring in the life of human beings. It gets really ugly and dirty and horrific. Very horrific. Which makes us wonder, you know, why was the book of Judges even written? Right? I mean, if it has all this ugliness of the human condition, sin and how sin takes control of you and consumes you, destroying you and the people you love. If the book of Judges is all about that, then why does it even, why is it even included in the Holy Scriptures? You know why? Judges chapter 2, 1 down to 2. The angel of Yahuwah went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into this land, and I swore to give your ancestors. And I said, I would never break my covenant with you, for you are for, uh, for your part. You were not to make any covenants with the people living in this land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars. But you disobeyed my command 
Why did you do this? I mean, we're in Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 1 begins with apostasy. People forget about Yahuwah. Yahuwah had to raise up Othniel, right? And it repeats again in 2, in 3, and all the way to the end of the book of Judges. And Yahuwah speaking to the people of Israel and said, we made a covenant, didn't we? And Yahuwah says, I would never break my covenant with you. But the people, they broke the covenant. What was their part of the covenant? Well, they were not supposed to make covenants with the people living in the land. But they broke it again and again and again. And so Yahuwah asks them, why did you disobey my command? Why did you do this? And so Yahuwah is telling the people of Israel, I was faithful to the covenant. You have been faithless. You did not keep the covenant. But Judges continues all the way. Eventually becomes a king. You know what that tells us? Even when the people of Israel, because of their sin and wickedness, even if they reach the lowest of the lows, Yahuwah did not give up on them, did he? Gave them chance after chance after chance. This question, why did you do this? Yet Yahuwah remained faithful to his covenant. What does that mean? Why was the book of Judges even written? I believe there are several reasons why the book of Judges was written. Number one. The book of Judges points to the faithfulness of Yahuwah. He did not have to deliver Israel. They broke the covenant. They don't deserve to be delivered. But man, once Israel cries out from their heart, Yahuwah just relents. A lot of people think when they think of God, oh, the God of the Old Testament is different. He's an angry, wrathful God. No. He's a patient God. The book of Judges illustrates this. Again and again and again. They would break the covenant with God. But again and again and again, Yahuwah remains faithful. He gave grace. The book of Judges points to grace. Israel did not deserve it. But Yahuwah says, I am Yahuwah. I am Yahuwah who exercises loving kindness, compassion, mercy. And so he forgives his people again. Yahuwah shows his grace. He does not give up on his people. And so what does he do? Does it mean he tolerates wickedness and sin? No. You know what Yahuwah did? Hebrews 8. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But the God found fault with the people, which is what is illustrated in Judges. The day is coming, says Yahuwah, and I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. I mean, during the days of the Judges, the people were really sinful. During the days of the kingdom, it did not get better. It got even worse. But Yahuwah kept at it. In fact, what did he do? He provided a second covenant. 
because he found fault with the people. And so in the second covenant, he would give a mediator and a deliverer and judge. A perfect judge, a perfect deliverer. You know who that would be? The only solution to this downward spiral of sin. You know who is the only solution to this downward spiral of sin the human condition is in? Matthew 121, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Yahusha, for he will save his people from their sins. There's a reason why his name is Yahusha. The name Yahusha means I am he who is your deliverer, your savior. You see, the book of Judges points to the need for Yahusha. Because without Yahushua, it doesn't matter who you place as a judge. It doesn't matter who you place as a deliverer. It's going to be flawed. Yahu will find a flaw in the people, including the deliverer. This is why the deliverer, the judges, became progressively more uh, filled with flaw, flawed. They were progressively flawed. And so Yahuwah said, I'm going to give you not just the deliverer, but the deliverer. Yahusha. Yahuwah raised up Yahusha. The book of Judges points to the need for Yahuwah to raise up a perfect deliverer who would be Yahusha HaMashiach. That's the good news. And Judges, the book of Judges, I believe, is the bad news. The bad news of sin emphasizes the goodness of the good news, emphasizes the need for a deliverer who is perfect and who can break, break and destroy the final spiral of divine renewal and introduce an upward spiral from glory to glory. And that's what Yahushua does. And so what are we to do? Because like the people in the days of Judges, we are in this race. We are in this journey. Because Yahusha is our deliverer. Because he is our champion. What must we do? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. Hebrews 12, 1-2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this. By keeping our eyes on Yahushua, the champion, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured a cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor God besides God's throne. Beloved brethren, Yahuwah, yes, we know he is holy and just and righteous, but he is also filled with love. Is filled with loving kindness that just shatters all of these ideas about what God can do because God's love overwhelms and overpowers our ability to sin. He loves us so much, He remains faithful even when we are faithless. So, beloved brethren, Every, anytime we doubt the love of God, 
Look to Yahushua. He gave us a judge. He gave us a deliverer who is perfect. And because of that, we can look upon him in our race, in our journey of endurance. Because when we keep our eyes on him, our champion will perfect our faith. Because of the love of Yahuwah, the love of Yahushua, we are delivered. And the book of Judges sets up, sets up nicely the need for grace and the need for Yahusha as our deliverer and savior. Let us stand. We shall pray together. Everlasting Father, Yahuwah Abba, you are far too kind beyond our imagination. We cannot measure the depths of your compassion. We have felt it in our life. Many times, again and again, we have sinned repeatedly. Always, you are quick to forgive. You are long-suffering and patient. It is your nature. When we look back and study the Holy Scriptures, when we are reminded of human flaw and human weakness, we look at ourselves and we admit and confess to you, we are as flawed as they were. And so now we know that you are indeed love, that you are indeed compassionate. Thank you, Father, for not giving up on us. Thank you for loving us despite of who we are, what we have done. We are filled with joy when we think about this because we know no matter what, we belong to you. No one can snatch us out of your hands because you love your people immensely. Father, please listen to our cries. If because of our sins, you correct and discipline us, we accept it. We accept it. When you see us repent, when you see us go to you and ask for forgiveness, forgive your people, heal your people, heal us of our sicknesses. Provide for our needs. We will always go to you, Father, because you are our Abba who cares for each one of us. Thank you for giving us a deliverer in our King Yahushua. Yahushua, our King, we will look to you. We will keep our eyes fixed on you. You have suffered so much for our sake. You gave up yourself willingly because of your love for Abba and because of your love for each one of us. Before you died on the cross, you spoke to the disciples and you said to them, the greatest love is when they give up their lives for the sake of their friends. That's exactly what you did. You loved us. You gave up your life for us. We praise you because of that. Sin in its downward spiral has been destroyed. And we will live from glory to glory because you are our king and we belong to you. Father, bless your people. Prepare us for the great day of salvation. Teach us to be watchful every day in our life. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. For we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua Hamashim. Amen.